Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Why am I putting this up at the head of the show, especially the head of a show that is an interview show? Later on, we will be talking with Jonathan Leger. He's the guy behind Nostagram.co, which is my favorite web client right now. And probably will be for the very, very long future because he just keeps he just keeps shipping and it's amazing. But we gotta we gotta figure out what the hell just happened. Why is this woman and this man that's in the background so distressed? Well, this is a video that was posted by uh, Jack Dorsey onto Twitter or no onto Noster. He posted a tweet from somebody else that picked up this video, and this is out of Nigeria. What's going on in Nigeria? Well, yesterday, Nigerian Central Bank invalidates all of the old currency. If you're holding e-Naira, <clears throat> not e-Naira, if you're holder, holding Naira in paper and you're a Nigerian in Nigeria, it seems that your money is now worthless completely. They're not allowing it. And people are rioting. What's the extent of the riots? I don't know. You tell me. Jesus! You don't say it. Jesus! What am I doing in Agodo? They don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to. How am I going to go home? Yeah, go now. Just come down. To be fair, I'm pretty sure that the booms and what appear to be gunshots that we're hearing here ain't bullets flying, but they at least, at the very minimum, they are canisters of tear gas. They're dispersing the crowd. This video is shot from a from a window, I guess about, I don't know, three or four stories up, overlooking uh, the crowd of Nigerians that have gathered in front of what appears to be their central bank because they're pissed. You know, they grew up using this, you know, this Naira. They think it's worth something. They've been boondoggled into thinking that it's worth something. And why not? Because they keep using it every day until yesterday when the central bank said that all your old notes are now worthless. They're pushing them into the CBDC. And if the Nigerians allow this shit to happen as a people, as a culture, as a citizenry, then they'll be slaves forever. And this shit isn't right. You know, it reminds me of, you know, it reminds me of a cult. And 
we'll talk about that a little bit with Jonathan. And that's why I want to put this up here. But this isn't the only thing that's going on right now. What the hell else is going on? Well, Lebanon, banks are burning. I got this one from the almonitor.com. Banks burn in Lebanon as exchange rate falls to historic low. All right, so here we go. People burned several banks in Lebanon on Thursday. That's today. As the local currency fell to a new all-time low against the dollar, what happened? The Lebanese pound fell to a historic low of 80,000 against the dollar on Thursday, according to Lyra Rate website. At least six Beirut banks were set on fire Thursday in response to the currency's fall. The Lebanese news outlet Le Orient reported today. Protesters also gathered outside the house of Salim Sfir, head of the Association of Banks in Lebanon, and started a fire, according to the official national news agency. All right, so uh, here we go. This is We're out of Nigeria. We're all the way over in Lebanon. And what's going on there? They're setting banks on fire. Now, let's be fair. We've seen this before. The bank itself isn't, you know, from what I can see from the, you know, news pictures is that they're setting tires in front of the doors of the banks and they're lighting those on fire, which pretty much demonstrates that they want to set the bank on fire. But it looks kind of like what I've seen before, where it's just the facade of the bank burning. It didn't actually, it's not actually burning the inside of the bank. When somebody, if somebody tells me that they burnt down, you know, they're burning down the bank. Is the entirety of the bank building on fire? Is the entirety of the interior in flames? Because if not, that's not really burning down a bank, but the sentiment seems to be the same. Six in Beirut have had tires or otherwise, you know, set the front doors on fire or something like that. This is, well, clearly it's not good, but it's, you know, indicative of the fact that, well, we're, you know, I don't know, we're, we're in some really weird stuff. And these people have been indoctrinated into probably a cult-like, you know, environment as well. So we're going to be talking with Jonathan about two things. And at the head, we're going to, we're going to figure out what the cultish nature of his upbringing was and how he got out of it and what that means and how, how it informs him. But then we're going to talk a lot about Noster. We're going to talk a lot about Nostrogram. We're going to talk, a, you know, a little bit about some other global economic stuff. But the Noster and the Nostrogram part should be bringing us hope against all of this. Guys, we have the tools to break out of whatever cult we're in. And you know what? We're all in a cult. We're all, either you're the cult of the U.S. dollar, the cult of the British pound sterling, the cult of the EU and the Euro. It's all a cult, man. The patriotism that we people pinning American flags on their on their, you know, suits before they went into Congress after 9-11. Cult. I know it's I'm probably not being very popular with a lot of people right now. Again, please understand. I don't have a problem with the United States of America. It's the federal government. I don't have a problem with Britain. It's Britain's government or more like, well, the UK. Let's just say that one. You know, most countries in Europe, zero problems with them, but their government, the EU, stinking pile of cult. We have the tools 
to get out of this. So let's find out more from Jonathan. We'll go with this one and pray to all that matter. Because <laughs> I'm surprised any of this stuff works. So uh, how do we pronounce your last name, Jonathan? It's Leche. It's French. My father was Cajun French from Southern Louisiana. And nice. That's where the name comes from. Yeah. Oh, the food's so good down there. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Don't get me started. Um, yeah. That's getting into food is, is a rabbit hole all by itself. <laughs> Leave that one alone, like almost immediately. Um, I hear you. <clears throat> so we're, we're here to talk about your project, Nostagram.co. As and that's a web client that looks into the world that is the protocol of Noster. But we got to go back so that we can figure out who you are. So you have mentioned on a couple of other occasions, a couple of other interviews that I see have seen to do the background for this, that you considered yourself to be part of a cult uh, when you were in your early childhood. Could you? Do you mind taking us through that? Oh, no, not at all. I've, I've talked about it a lot because I used to have a YouTube channel where I helped people who were in the cult get out of the cult. The cult is the what they call the religion of Jehovah's Witnesses. And a lot of people think, oh, well, it, those are just those kooky people in suits and dresses that knock on your door. On Saturday, they're annoying but harmless. No, they're not harmless at all. They practice very strict shunning. If you choose to leave, your entire family, all your friends, everyone in the religion is told that they cannot speak to you. They are to treat you as if you no longer exist. Uh, I had people run away from me when they saw me in a grocery store, like they literally turned around and went the other direction that I used to know and be friends with. It's that kind of thing. They prohibit certain medical uh, procedures like blood transfusions. If you decide to get one because you think it'll save your life, you will be shunned uh, just automatically, again, cut off from friends and family in the religion. They have a massive child sex abuse problem. It's far worse per capita than the Catholic Church. There are lawsuits galore right now. Uh, they came up in the Australian Royal Commission in 2015, where it was discovered that thousands of cases of child abuse were never reported to the police. They've lost their tax-free status in a number of countries because of this behavior. Yeah, it is a cult and it is very dangerous and harmful. So that's what I grew up in. And that's what I was fortunate enough to get out of and my wife with me. She grew up in it also. Her entire family shuns her. They have nothing to do with her. There was a hurricane in the city we lived in prior to moving here. And they didn't reach out to see if she was alive. So it's like wow. that. Like that's my background. So you can imagine believing you have friends but not really having friends. I'm a little more fortunate in that my uh, family, my, I don't have a relationship with my mother because she's toxic, but my brother, one of my two brothers, like they're fine. They still stay in touch. They're okay. They don't shun. My dad is dead, but I don't think he would have either. So my family was a little looser about that sort of thing, but that's very strict. So, yeah. Okay. So you're coming out, <clears throat> growing up in, and then bailed out of, a highly what is in a very shocking way to me because i i don't know anything about this i've heard stories about other stuff but i've never heard 
these these types of things levied at Jehovah Witnesses. Be that as it may, we're talking about a highly toxic situation. How'd you punch out of it? Was it hard or was it, I mean, was it just something that you woke up one day and said, I'm done? No, it, I practice mindfulness meditation now, post-cult, because that was forbidden. Anything like that was forbidden. At going to another church, absolutely forbidden. You go to another church, you're going to be shunned. They were very strict about that. The whole world was run by the devil. We were God's people. Everyone else is dangerous. Don't make friends too close that aren't witnesses because you're probably going to get harmed or, you know, you don't want the fireball to hit you at Armageddon when you're standing next to them. I mean, it was bad. So what woke me up from that, keep in mind, I was born and raised in this. And it's hard to understand unless you're born into a thing. Why would someone stay in a situation like that? It's like uh, people who are in physically abusive relationships. Intellectually, you think, well, why don't you just leave? Right. Right. It's hard to fathom why someone would stay. But when you're born and raised in a thing, especially, it's all you know. And the psychology that comes into play when you're a child and these things are indoctrinated into you from birth is very powerful. And it's hard for you to look outside of that until something happens that's really negative. I like the way Eckhart Tolle puts it. He says, suffering is the fastest path to enlightenment, not the best path but the fastest path. And that's what happened. So uh, without getting into too much personal detail, something really bad happened inside the cult. That was a massive punch in the face to me. And it was a wake up moment for me. Uh And so that taught me that I needed to look outside and double check what I'm being told inside. And of course, as soon as you pull on that thread, the whole thing unravels that it's a house of cards. It's just lies stacked upon lies, stacked upon lies. You pull one card out, the whole thing falls apart. And that's what happened. But it took a really difficult punch in the face for both me and my wife to wake up to it and realize that, no, this is insidious. This is dangerous. And being the kind of person that I am, though, because in all other aspects of my life, I'm a pretty rational individual, software developers, and we eat and breathe logic every day. So once I woke up to this emotional thing that it had me trapped and I applied some critical thinking to it, it was switch off. Like, all right, well, that's not the thing. Uh-huh. Time to move on. So whereas I know a lot of people who exit the cult, they have a lot of understandable problems. They go through depression. They suffer in a lot of ways. I didn't, but then I also didn't fall out flat on my face like some people do. I like walked down the ladder. I didn't exit Christianity completely, immediately. It was a slow walk out and I still have mad respect for like the person that Jesus must have been the principles that he taught and love your neighbor care for the sake like I'm all for all those things those are wonderful things it's the organized religion (laughs) centralization that I generally have a problem with not the principles at the core of what people think of as Christianity so I walked my way down those steps rather than falling down those steps And that helped me have a softer landing than some people go through. 
And how long has it been since you've been exited? Uh, we officially submitted our letters of resignation, if you will, which you don't have to do that, but we wanted to symbolically say we're out right. in New Year's Eve of 2017. Okay. Okay. So it's been uh, a good five, six years. Yeah. So, okay. Well, now when we were talking earlier before we started recording, you mentioned that you've been coding since you were eight. So you started coding well within the depths of while you were in this existence. So as, as we were talking earlier, the question becomes, are you informed at all when it comes to development, coding, uh, UX design by these experiences? I mean, is there something that you're bringing with you when it comes to this? The design of the software itself, not really, because I've been self-employed for 20 years. And before that, I worked as in corporate software development for years. So I was used to building things the way the quote worldly people, because that's what they called them in the cult. People who were worldly were like the dangerous outsiders. Whereas oh. for most people, the term worldly means like you have knowledge and experience, but that's a cult tactic to change the meaning of words. Uh -huh. That's one of the things that they did. But I worked in a normal environment <clears throat> with other people. And so I learned and I read books and self-taught and I learned from other quote worldly people. So I learned all the standard stuff, but what it does absolutely influence is the projects I'm choosing to work on now, okay. like Nostagram, because of the decentralized aspect of Nostra. That's why I'm a Bitcoiner, because of the decentralized aspect of Bitcoin. The lack of central authority, of control, people telling everyone what to do from the top down, which is always only for the benefit of themselves and not those individuals. So yeah, that definitely influences the projects I want to work on and the things that are important to me, but not so much how I build it, except for maybe the fact that I am huge on user feedback. So I'm sure you've noticed on Noster when people give me suggestions and ideas, I take all of that very seriously because all the best con concepts of Nostagram have come out of the suggestions of other people. So I'm not one of those, this is the way I want to do it, so it's going to be done. No, I'm very open to feedback about what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> that seems to stand in direct opposition to if you were to give feedback back in your former life. For like sure. that's something. So did you start finding it difficult? Was the punch in the face so bad that you never found it difficult to question anything once you were out or did, yeah. you, did you still have a problem? No, no. Once I woke up to that and realized that the thing I thought was the thing in the universe, God and the purpose of life and everything that was going to happen, because Jehovah's Witnesses have this roadmap, they claim prophecy is being fulfilled and all these things are going to happen. You basically think, you know, the entire universal plan for the rest of eternity. Uh -huh. And then when I woke up and realized, no, that's all nonsense. Oh, if that was wrong, what else is then wrong? what else is wrong? And so that immediately led me into questioning everything else. I had a huge Descartes 
moment, you know, cogito ergo sum. I think therefore I am like, that's all you can know for sure. Outside of that, you need to question everything. I'm pragmatic and practical, but I don't buy into things just because some authority is telling me. In fact, I'm much more inclined to question and be very suspicious of any claim coming out of a centralized authority as opposed to an individual's experience. Yeah, I get the feeling that uh, you and I are not the only two people in the world who are like, if that was wrong, then what else was wrong? But we're all coming from these different places where we've asked that same question. But but we can revisit that later. Yeah, just without getting too political about it, though, the last three-ish years, Mm -hmm. I'm glad I had gotten out of the cult before that happened because I was already in the mindset of questioning everything Uh and look at the data, show me the numbers, give me the facts, let me see your evidence for what you're claiming. And when all of that fell up short, there's a lot of things people were being told to do. I did not do, and I'm glad I didn't. Right. I didn't either, but I was questioning everything from a completely different standpoint, Um, which... I guess it is not the most terrible segue into talking about Noster as the protocol, because we, in, in a very large way, we've been talking about communications between people, specifically what's allowed, what's not allowed, the effects of saying the thing. And here we have this protocol that gets dropped on us called Noster. And I, from what I understand, the entire protocol at the protocol level was designed by Fiat Joff. Um, and now other people have taken that protocol and are writing things upon it, like you with your project, Nostrogram.co. There's Domus, there's Amethyst, there's all kinds of different things, but yours is a web application. But before we talk more about it, what the hell's Noster? Noster is just a protocol in the same way that TCPIP, which is the basic protocol that runs the internet, is a protocol. And everything else is built on top of that. It's just a way to send and receive packages of messages. That's it. You speak English. I speak English. We can talk to anybody else who speaks English because we speak the same language. We understand each other. We have a reasonable idea of what words mean. We can communicate. Culturally, it's not different. I am American. I understand the culture of Americans. I can talk to and get other Americans. In that sense, we're using a protocol, a cultural protocol. It's not different. Noster is just a protocol. It's just when you want to tell me this, this is how you tell me that. That's it. This is how you format that message that you want me to understand. And everybody who uses the protocol agrees, okay, if I want this from you, this is how I'm going to format that message. I'm going to make sure it's like a form for the IRS as much as I can't stand the IRS. There are certain boxes you have to fill out, things you have to check. Okay, you submit that form. It's a, if it's correct, we know how to deal with and process it. That's all not Noster is. It's just a protocol. Here's how we talk to each other. It's a set of rules. That's it. It's not different from Bitcoin in that way. Bitcoin is just a set of rules. This is how we send this information back and forth to each other. All right. Well, so continuing that that analogy, it seems to me that at this point, 
we've got a language, the protocol, like English. So now we need to be able to engage with that protocol. So the analogy continues by the fact that I'm talking to you using a voice box. You know, I have vocal cords. I have a way to express myself into the protocol that can then be carried by the protocol to somebody else who says, oh yeah, I understood what he said. But in this case, we're dealing with computer protocol. So we need a window into that protocol so that we can interact with the protocol. And that's where we come to the clients, right? That's right. Okay. So how does a client, without getting technical, but what's the association between the client and the protocol? The client, it understands the rules of the protocol. So when you want to send, when I want to send a message to you, the client knows, well, the protocol requires me to format that message in this way. If I don't format it in this way, your client's not going to know how to read it. So the client doesn't, it's not a peer to peer network. So it doesn't send the message directly to you. Okay. It sends the message to a relay that you also communicate with. So imagine that we wanted to have a conversation. We're in different rooms. I send my kid downstairs to tell you the message that I wanted to give to you because I'm busy. So I just send a message by way of somebody else. That is the client relay client relationship in a nutshell. You hand the messages off to a central hub that has all the messages it knows about. And then you can plug into that hub and say, hey, give me any messages that are being directed to me. And it says, okay, here they are. These are This is everything I know that's being directed to you. So there is a, a hub. So it's not completely decentralized in a peer-to-peer type way, but it's decentralized, meaning that anybody can run a relay. Anybody can boot one up and you can choose to connect to anyone that you want to or not. So that's where the decentralization factor comes in. Whereas like with Twitter, you have no choice. You have to use Twitter's app because that's the only thing that works. And all the data is stored by Twitter. And you can't send that information to Facebook because Facebook can't read that protocol. It's not going to work. And Facebook can't talk to you on Twitter because protocol is different. It's not going to work. So those are centralized in the sense that everything is contained in one location and no one else can go up and boot up their own Twitter and say, Hey, I'm going to switch my Twitter app to connect to that one instead of the other one. Right. And that is, I mean, the, the subtext of that is that that's why I believe Noster wins simply because Twitter can't talk to Facebook. Facebook can't talk to Instagram. Instagram can't talk to Twitter without IF, what is it? IFFTT. What if this, then that. which I used to use. Um, And even if it, you know, even with those tools, it's not native. It, it, with this, the client, and for it, if I didn't mention it, I want to make absolutely certain that the clients, what they are is like Nostagram or Domus or Amethyst. These are the clients. And I always like to look at them as this is how, this is your doorway. This is how you enter into the protocol or how you interact with it, at least. So maybe it's more like a window than anything else. But that was one of the things that always threw me about Noster is that I wasn't 
it was never made clear to me until I started using it myself that, oh, the client, okay, that's how I interact. And there's more than one client. Well, we have more than one of mainstream social media. We've got all the ones that we just mentioned and none of them can talk to each other. And that sounds to me with the advent of something like this, that that's not only an Achilles heel, that's like going out into battle with no armor. And I think they're going to get launched. Twitter's already looks like a dumpster fire beyond <laughs> any reckoning of the imagination that I thought could have happened. Yeah. And I was kind of cheering. I was kind of cheering for Elon. And it took mm-hmm. me exactly a week and a half to figure out this is not your guy. You know, it's not your it's not your guy. So- and that's the problem, isn't it? I don't have an issue with capitalism. No, I don't have an issue with the free market. I don't have a problem with Elon buying Twitter. He can do what he wants. If he can raise the money and people are willing to do it, that's his business. It's fine. My issue is that a few central authorities control all of the information and Uh all of the communication. And so they get to decide what can or cannot be said on there. And people have given up their ability to have a free voice on these platforms at first, just kind of by necessity, because there was no other way to do it. But now there is another way to do it. And one of the beautiful things about Nostra is you don't have to have a relay if you don't want to. Like if two clients developed uh, a peer to peer method, right? I could have a client that talks directly to your client as long as they have the code in there to open the web sockets and communicate with each other. You could build the relay into the app. You could do that so right. that the app is directly peer to peer. No, is just a protocol. You can use it any way you want. It's just the language. But just like you can choose to talk to me through this app, uh, which acts as a kind of relay. Uh-huh. Or you could use Zoom, which acts as a, a kind of relay. Or we could text each other through WhatsApp, which is peer-to-peer, so there isn't a relay. Noster allows all those things, just like TCPIP allows all those things, only Noster's much, much simpler. So it's very easy to develop tools around it because it's such a simple client. There's literally only one kind of object called an event that has six points of information on it, that's it. Like, that's all it is. And so it's yeah. super simple from a developer's perspective. And that makes it very easy to proliferate lots of uh, applications that use the protocol. Okay. Well, going back to relays, it you know, what it sound, sounds to me like is like the United States Postal Service. I put a letter in my mailbox. It doesn't go to the mailbox that it's supposed to go to until it goes to the actual post office of the town that I'm in, if it so happens, and this is where I'm I'm going to ask the question about geographical distributions of relays. But before I do, if I'm in the same town and I'm sending a letter to somebody in that same town, it's never going to go past the central clearinghouse or relay of my town. Now, if I'm, I'm in Eastern, I'm in Eastern Washington. If I got to send a letter to Spokane, that's different. It goes to my central clearinghouse. And then it says, oh, well, this has got to go up to the Spokane relay. And then it goes up there and then it goes to the mailbox. Is this a terrible way to think about it or is it kind of on? That is, Noster does not have hops. 
Okay. It could, but it doesn't. Like you connect to a relay, I connect to the same relay. So our information is stored on that relay and we can communicate by way of that relay. We could also choose to connect to other relays so that our information is not only saved in one place, but in many places. Or we could choose, though no clients are doing this yet, like let's say that we had a variety of interests and some relays have started to segregate and only talk about certain topics. We could plug into relays that are for different topics. And anytime we write a message about that topic, the client could say, well, this is about whatever you're, let's say Bitcoin. Let's say there's a Bitcoin only relay. That's what people talk about Bitcoin. Uh-huh. The client could say, oh, well, he's, he's writing about Bitcoin. So it's going only to the Bitcoin only relay. But if I want to send a message uh, over to this guy, okay, well, he's on a different relay. So we have to send that one. There's no hops. Like if okay. you want to send a message from here to Spokane, like there's not multiple relays in between. You just have to connect to the Spokane relay and send the message directly over there. Okay. Okay. So that's me like basically shoving my letter into my mailbox so far that it ends up to the Spokane relay. Yeah. And that's different than TCPIP, the internet itself, because the internet does hop. So it finds a path from here to where you're trying to get, and it might have to hop a bunch of times to get over there. Very much like the post office has to go through different hubs if you're sending a letter far away. But that's not how Nostra works. Okay. Well, so this, I want to ask a question about the WSS um, thing that you see when you're adding relays. And to add relays on your client, some clients allow you to do that. There are some clients that kind of seem to take a more generic version and say, Hey, top 25 relays, they're, they're auto loaded. You ain't got to worry about it. But on the ones that, that I use on several occasions, I'm able to add a relay and they're always uh, started with WSS colon forward slash forward slash, just like HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash. What is WSS? What is that thing? It stands for WebSocket Secure. There's WS and WSS. WebSocket is WS. That just means it's not encrypted. So anything you send from one point to another point, there's no encryption. So that's wide open for other people to, to read if they you know can pick up on it. Okay. Whereas WSS is WebSocket Secure. So it is encrypted. And both sides have to know how to unencrypt the messages that are sent. So that makes it more secure. That's all it is. And that's just another protocol that sits on top of TCP IP. Like that's it. So for instance, we both speak English, but if you're a lawyer and you speak legalese, it's still English, but I don't know that language because I'm not an attorney. So it's a language that sits on top of, or if you're a doctor and I don't know all the medical terminology, you know something I don't, I don't know how to communicate about these things with you because it's not my my area. Uh That's WebSocket Secure sitting on top of TCP IP. And Nostr sits on top of that. So it's stacked on top of each other. What's a WebSocket? Is that easily explainable or is that way above here? It's uh, it's just, okay, old school at the banks. I don't know if they have them everywhere where your listeners are, but you pull up to a drive-in at a bank and you have a canister and you stick an envelope in the canister and you stick the canister in the tube and it carries the canister into the bank for the teller to do whatever it is you ask them to do. That's a WebSocket. It's just an open 
channel from you to wherever it is that you point it to. Okay. So for instance, if you, you're connected to the WSS for Eden.noster.land, which is a popular paid relay, yeah, that is just an address that tells the WebSocket, oh, okay, so we're, we're trying to talk to Eden down over there. So we have to send our messages in that direction. That's it. It's just a channel between you and where you're, you're trying to go. So, it's like dialing a phone number is really what it is. Yeah. Okay. So a relay is the endpoint of a bunch of WebSockets. So I've seen people say that they've seen relays that had like, I don't know, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but like 8,000 open WebSockets at once. Yeah. And so there's 8,000 start points on these tubes. So 8,000, I assume that that's 8,000 users and all of their notes are funneling into this relay. And each one of those requires an open WebSocket for that particular pub key, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. Oh, and I don't want to confuse anybody here. I guess we should probably talk about the public private key uh, before we get too much further, because this is how I identify myself on as me on Noster and then how I sign notes, but how I identify myself on Noster is different than I sign notes. Can you please <laughs> instruct me on how this shit works? <laughs> <laughs> well, your public key, that's just, uh, that's your, your address, right? You have a house, you have an address. That's your public key. Everyone can know that it's cool. You don't care that you're, your address is in a directory so that people can send you letters. You hand over your address to people that you work with. You hand it over to places that you shop if they need to send you something. You're fine to hand out your address. It's cool, it's public, no worries. But you're the only one who has the key to the front door. No one else can unlock the front door because they don't have the key. So they know your address, they, they know where things are coming from, but they can't get in. Right. That's your private key. And as long as you're the only one who holds the key to the front door, no one else can mess with anything in your account because you're the only one who holds the key. But everyone has your address, your public key, and that's totally fine. So that's kind of the analogy I like to use for public key versus private key. Yeah. And like a Bitcoin private key, you should never, ever under any circumstances lose control of the private key. And I've seen that happen twice today. Yeah. I'll give you an example. In the past, before technology made it easy to communicate and verify who people were, royalty and business people and important people had a stamp custom made mm -hmm. that had a certain symbol on it that nobody else had. And that's how people knew if they got a message with a stamp on it, that had this certain symbol, they knew who it was from because it had that symbol, but nobody else had the stamp, that uh -huh. the device that made the stamp, so no one else could send messages in your name. That's your private key, it's your stamp. If you accidentally leave your stamp somewhere and someone else gets a hold of it, then they can send all kinds of messages that people are gonna think came from you because now they have your stamp, they have your key. Yeah, and people in the past used to have their signet uh it's one of the things that it's called is a signet. It was a ring. So they always had it on their hand at all exactly. times. It wasn't something that you could leave behind unless somebody, of course, mugged you, chopped your finger off, got your ring. Right. And then that's a whole other 
problem. But, <laughs> but that's your key. That's yeah. your key. It's the same concept, only more secure because, right, it, it's not a physical object someone can take. Right. So now I think you've already answered this, but I want to make sure of the way that I'm thinking of relays. Relays don't necessarily talk to each other at all, right? No, by default, they don't actually. They don't can, by default send information to others. Can they? Is it? Yeah, yeah, they can. Uh, I believe, I might be wrong about this, but I believe uh, Noster.wine, which is a relay that I really like, it's a paid relay that the creator, who actually doesn't live too far from me, I found out. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, he and his uh, developer are adding a lot of really cool features to Noster Wine. And one of them, if I'm not mistaken, is the ability to broadcast any note you send to a Noster Wine to other relays also. And even if that's not what they're doing, it's certainly possible. You could. You could have a relay where you instructed, hey, I'm going to send you this message, but go ahead and send it to all these other relays too so that we have backups at these other places. That could be done. It, uh -huh. It's not a complicated thing to do that. And it's not outside of the protocol either. Therefore, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. And, and I imagine as Noster continues to advance and mature, you'll have relays that do automatic redundancy like that. Because you don't want just one. What if one relay goes down, right? You want to have others that are there to pick up the, the load. Well, in order to do that, they have to replicate all of the information. Like you have to have a duplicate copy of all of the messages on all of the servers, on all the relays, right? So it would make sense that you would have a relay or a series of relays that share information with each other. But they don't all do that. They're not like Bitcoin where every single node has the entire copy of all the transactions. It's not designed to be that way. That's not what it's for. Okay. Okay. Um Oh, there was something. I just had it in my head. Uh, eh, it's It'll gone. Back to you. <laughs> and, and just like that, it's gone. <laughs> That's called an ephemeral note in Noster. Like, <laughs> it's there and then it's gone, right? It doesn't last for long. But I mean, you know, you, you kind of suggested that, you know, we're, it's clear that we're here and we're early to Noster just like people have been early to Bitcoin and we continue to be early to Bitcoin. But in, in the journey that we're on now, where are we uh, besides being just early? Right now, Noster is basically recreating your basic social media landscape. It's sort of like a Twitter, a kind of a decentralized Twitter is what it is right now. There are other projects going on. However, I expect that to change quite a lot going forward. Friends, and let me explain in case I haven't gotten this across. There are real benefits to having relays run by different people. One is, let's say you have something to say that one relay operator doesn't like for whatever reason. They can censor you. It's their relay. They can kick you off. They can block your public key. They can delete the message. Like they don't have to allow what you're saying to exist on their relay. I'm okay with that. Like they own it. They're paying for it. If they don't like a certain amount of content, well, that's their decision. But you are not limited to only getting your information out through that one relay. There are others who are like, hey, we're totally fine with what you have to say. Post your information over here. 
and anyone who's connected to this other relay that isn't censoring what you have to say, all of your contacts using that relay can still see what you have to say. So unlike over the past few years when all the tech companies got together, well, maybe not directly got together, but like the Twitter files showed, they were absolutely being told by the government what the government wanted to not be said, which came as no surprise to anybody, I think. Right. Or just because they all thought for whatever political reason that this was the right thing to do. Well, we shouldn't allow this kind of information on our platform. Now you have this handful of social media companies where nobody can say what they have to say, even if they're highly credentialed yeah. and have a very informed opinion about it. So it was more difficult for those individuals to get their message out because all of the big relays, the big corporate relays, the social media companies were blocking what they had to say. If you have a situation where you don't have a half a dozen major corporations that control all the, the communication, but rather you have thousands of small individual relays that you can pick and choose which one you want to talk to, now it's virtually impossible to censor anybody. It's like whack-a-mole. There's always somebody who's going to be okay with relaying your message and making sure it gets out. And it's so easy to spin up another one somewhere yeah. else and just keep that communication flowing. So it's good in that way. But it's also good in that when you're a Twitter, you're trying to be everything for everybody all at once which that creates a lot of noise, a whole yeah. lot of noise. Let's say I'm only interested in talking about Bitcoin. Let's say that's my thing. I don't want to hear all this other stuff Twitter keeps trying to suggest or throw in front of me or whatever. And then I end up in touch with all these contacts of my contacts that are interested in stuff I don't care about. If I only want to discuss one subject with Noster, I can say I'm only going to connect to this relay or these few relays where Bitcoin is the subject matter. That's it. And then all that noise disappears. I no longer have to see anything except the things that I am interested in seeing and the occasional whatever that gets thrown in there as people just are talking with each other. So the way I see Nostra going right now, it's kind of one big hub of everybody trying to talk to everybody like a Twitter. But in time, relay operators are going to start segregating out and focusing on certain topics. I could see relays dedicated to certain content topics, certain geographic areas, like this is the New York City public relay, like where everything about New York comes through this relay, you can connect to it and those messages drop into your feed. If you live in that area, you can see what's going on. You get to pick and choose what you want to connect to very much like you choose which websites you go to, but your browser, because it speaks the same protocol, HTTP, right. right? Your browser can connect to every website out there, but you're not reading every single website all the time. You're going to the ones you want to go to with the information that you want to see. That's how Noster works. Noster is that for social media, among other things. Like you get to pick and choose which social media websites, so to speak, which relays you go to to get the information that you want to get. And it's not centrally controlled. And that is a huge point for me, that it's not centrally controlled. There's no single authority that can say, now nah, we're done here and cuts you off. You could always hop over to another one that 
the, and that's another wonderful thing about Nooster. Because everyone can communicate with each other on the same protocol, we don't lose everybody if a relay decides to cut us off. If Twitter says you're banned, yeah. you're, you're out, right? No one can see what you say. You lose all your communication with everybody. With Noster, well, everyone can still see what you have to say because you're on other relays that they're also on. Right. And you just send a message out, say, hey, this relay blocked me, so you got to connect to this other relay if you want to see what I have to say. And it makes, the again, the ability to censor like that virtually impossible. Yeah, so let's go back to what you were saying about, like, let's say we got a relay. Uh, your suggestion was like the New York City relay, all things New York. And then you got somebody who just absolutely loves the idea of injecting stuff about what's going on in Chicago. So at that point, it's kind of up to the relay operator to say, nope, uh, you know, this really is just about New York. Yes, I'm going to censor your ass because honestly, I, what are you doing kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so now the question becomes like, I, I run a Bitcoin full node. I use my node BTC to do it. It also contains my lightning network node. Recently, they sent the ability for me to spin up a a Noster a Noster node or a, sorry a Noster relay. How let's say that I spin that up. What are the tools available for somebody that wants to run a relay? And I don't want to get into how because that's going to be way beyond the scope of what we're doing. But I am interested in can I look into my own relay in a graphical way? Or is it command line only? How do I interact as a user with the relay that I run? Is that something that is way too beyond the scope here? Or? It's just, it's very relay dependent. Like each relay is going to have its own user interface. It's going to show you what's going on in the relay in their own way. That's, okay. They're all different. There's no standard way to do that. I'm okay. sure you're going to get some similar things in any server situation like that, where they're going to show you certain traffic patterns or whatever, but they're, they're going to be different. Just like the clients get to choose how to present the information to you. A relay gets to choose how to present in its own UI, what's going on inside the relay. So it, it's very much dependent on which one you're running. Okay. Well, so now I, I think that this has been helpful for me. Honestly, I mean, it's like, and I was getting kind of comfortable with what the, how this stuff worked, but you answered a whole bunch of questions that honestly, I kind of didn't know I even had, but now that we're here, we got to talk about Nostrogram because that's the most important aspect of why you're here today is your project and the way that you built your client to interact with Nostr. So what, what do I got up here? I kind of like, I, and I told you before, but for the audience, you know, from a development perspective. Uh, and a couple of other perspectives, which I hope we get into what's been, what's been your experience writing a web client for, for Noster? I mean, is it easy, hard? Was it like, oh, the, uh, the protocol is beautifully simple. It's beautifully simple. And that's one of the things I love about it. It's just, it's six little pieces of information wrapped in what's called an, an event. Uh -huh. That's it. There's some cryptography involved. And I'll be honest, the cryptography part isn't my area, but fortunately there's tools and libraries I use that handle all that for me. So I don't have to understand 
the ins right. and outs of the cryptography, which <laughs> that's beyond my pay scale as a developer for sure. Uh, but it's very easy and simple and quite frankly, it's been fun to do it. Notagram started off on a whim. I was trying to create a client, uh, Nostrum.pro is where it started at. Now it's just a search engine. Eventually it's probably just going to go away and I'm going to move what's left of the functionality into Nostagram. Uh -huh. But I started off uh, writing a client that was like all the other clients. It did all the things that all the other clients did. And in one evening, it just hit me. Well, what if I created a client that was more like an Instagram or a Pinterest that showed you a whole bunch of notes in multiple columns and let you see all the media really clearly. Now, that would probably be pretty cool. So I threw something together and I liked it and I tossed it out for other people to take a look at and other people like, Hey, that's, you know, that's a cool idea. We like this. It's fun. And then I just started adding to it and I started, you know, to myself, well, if I want to make this client what I want it to be, I want this client to work the way I would want a client to work. So let me just build the client I want. And I started to do that. And one of the big differences is I decided to use a caching server because I noticed a couple of things. First, people were complaining because you got to imagine if you're connected on your phone to a whole bunch of relays, you're pulling down the same messages from a whole bunch of relays. Like let's say you're connected to a dozen relays. That's fine and great for redundancy, but it, when you ask each relay, hey, give me all the messages that you have for me or all the messages that you have from this person, you're gonna get them all. But if all the relays, if everyone's connected to the same relays, you're gonna get all the messages from everybody 12 times. And your phone's gonna have to go through, okay, well, we've already seen this one, so get rid of it. We've already seen this one, get rid of it. And the bandwidth that uses and the resources that takes, it's just much more resource intensive than a typical device can handle at scale. So I thought, well, I have a couple of servers that I use for my day job. Let me have one of the servers collect all of the messages going to all the major relays and store them in a database and create indexes on them, which an index is just like in a book. If you want to find something quickly, you go to the back, you look for the word in the index or the subject. It takes you right to the page. Database, same thing. That's, that's what the index does. And the relays didn't have indexes on things I wanted to be able to look up. Very simple things. Like if you want to know how many people liked a note in Noster, that is not an easy thing to do. You literally have to download all the likes all the packets of all the likes for a note and count them to know how many people like to know. Now that's actually by design yeah. in the sense that it's a don't trust verify situation. Well, how do we know a hundred people really like that note? If we can't see and check the signature on every single note, right. understood. But from a practical pragmatic perspective for your typical user who isn't all that interested in the verification of every single signature of every like on a note. Let's create a caching server that collects all the information, aggregates some information about it, like how many likes, how many replies, that kind of thing, and only sends your device the unique individual messages 
from all of these other relays. And so that's what it does. That's what Nostagram does. But when you write a message or click like on something, it broadcasts that to all of the relays you have configured to write to. So that's why people say, wow, Nostagram so smooth. It's so fast. Well, yeah, because you're not downloading from a dozen relays. You're downloading from one caching server that happens to be a high performance database web server configuration. So okay. it's very fast. All right. So I write a note to you. That's an event type. I like something you said. That's a completely separate event type. I reply to somebody else's note. That is a third type of event. How? And each one of these events contains what? The, the six parts of the protocol? Yeah. Okay. And you can add other pieces to it, but what the protocol requires are the six. Are Is at least those six. So at like least those six. The public key, the private key that signed it, the timestamp, is that part of the six? Yeah, there's there's not private key. There's the public key. There's a signature, which is created with the private key. Okay. okay. There's there's the timestamp. There's the content itself, like the actual content of the message. Right. Uh, and there's the tags that are on it, which is how you know, like, this message is a reply to this other message. All that stuff's kept in the tags. Okay. So, yeah, there's six pieces of information. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things that, that, okay, so I'm going through all these different clients. I end up, I've known about Noster. I keep on, you kept on hearing about it for the better part of a year and a half, two years. Uh, it really wasn't until mid December of last year that I started getting a hold of what I would call competent clients, something I could use, something that didn't require me to read a manual. Right. I mean, it was like a web client. And I think one of the first ones that I hit was, um, actually, let's see if I still got it in my bookmarks. Hold on. Enigma, which looks like, well, it looks like Telegram, right? So I guess that what I'm getting at here is now we're getting into your project from a user experience perspective. But there's all these other developers that are developing these clients and they can make their user experience look like anything that they want. And lo and behold, I start using this one. And I, I just, I hate Telegram anyway. I, I, I don't like the experience. I don't, it's not that I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but I'm like, I, this doesn't work for me. I don't want to back scroll 20 hours of conversation and try to pull the different threads out because half of this is one discussion. The other half is another discussion. And that's if you're lucky. Right. So I quickly moved on. And what I started, and this is where my second Bitcoin moment that I've ever had came in. So I'm like, you know, sending a couple of notes on Enigma. I'm working with it for a while. And then I'm like, hear somebody say, well, you know, I just tried whatever, you know, just like client B. Okay, well, I'll give it a shot. And after about the third client, and it's completely different, doesn't look anything like, has no telegram feel to it, started getting into the Twitter feel uh, type of clients. And the Bitcoin moment is that no matter what client I went to, when I used my public key, my entire history was there. And that's when it's like a slap in the face, because as somebody who's been kicked off of Twitter, not once, not twice, but five times, 
because I had associated accounts. Oh, you sort of like what you were saying in, you know, the cult days. Oh, you're associated with the person. And I I see that you have not publicly denounced that person. So bye-bye. You're gone too. Exactly. And losing, you know, losing 7,500 followers that I built up since 2011, that's a, a gut punch. And it depends, you know, with me, it's, it was still a gut punch, but I'm sure for other people that are like, yeah, they're completely unprepared for that. And like, it sucked for me, but at least I had, at least I had Bitcoin and the the knowledge of it and understanding what that meant and where I see us going in the future beyond these walled gardens. So I was like, yeah, it sucks, but I know there's something better and we're very, very close to it. Other people who don't have any exposure to this, I feel really bad when they lose their 50,000 followers because that's maybe they're making their money on it. Who knows? Yeah, go ahead. I have something to say about that because, yeah, you lost 7,500, quote, followers. You lost 7,500, quote, numbers on the page. Right. But first of all, my experience with Twitter is that half of my followers were Asian women bots. With, <laughs> And I'm like, either I am very, very popular with hot Asian women or there's something nefarious going on here. And I'm pretty sure it's the other one and that I'm not that popular. So there's that. There's the bot problem, right? right? That's one thing. And the other thing is that when you're on any of these big social media platforms, they are advertiser driven. They make money from people who pay for ads that get put in front of your face. Now, I'm not against advertising. It's nothing wrong with advertising your business. But the problem, if your entire product, your social media platform is built around advertisement, that means you have to try to get ads in front of as many people as often as possible. And that inevitably results in algorithms that drive people to content that creates the most reaction. The problem with that is we are human beings and our psychology, evolution, or if you you know don't believe in evolution, our design as a species leads us to react the most to the worst stuff. We yeah. are driven by fear. Our psyche is driven by fear. And that means in order to drive more engagement, the algorithms naturally, even if it wasn't by design, they just, oh, well, the machine doesn't care. It just says, oh, well, this kind of content is getting more engagement than this kind of content. So let's push people over there. It just so happens that that kind of content is the most inflammatory, the most aggressive, the most uh, conflict creating content. And yep. so the experience becomes very negative, driven by trolls and bots and everything you can imagine. Then you hop over to Noster, yeah. where there are no algorithms. And the people you follow uh-huh. are the people you see in the order that they said what they said. There's no algorithm. There's no content curation. There's none of that unless you choose to click the button that gives you that, which is your option. Right. Like Nostagram has some of that in it. If you choose, it does not force anything on you. Now the experience you have is the actual experience you want. And even people who disagree with each other on Noster tend to be more civil as a rule. The engagement isn't nearly as conflict driven 
because there's no algorithm fanning the flames. The uh, analogy I use is the social media algorithms are like the kid in the schoolyard who, when two people start to fight, and shouts, fight, 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 and tries to get everybody in to watch the fight. Yes, that's the absolutely. algorithm. That's the algorithm of social media right there. It's trying to bring people to the thing that draws the most attention. And Noster users are all the people who are like, oh, that's stupid. And they walk away from the fight and they just keep having a conversation. There yeah. is no algorithm. There's no kid shouting fight in the schoolyard in Noster, which is why just the experience is so much nicer than on social media. Yeah, it is. And that's while that would not be the I would not count that as my third Bitcoin moment. It is right up there because when I was talking about the second Bitcoin moment, just to, to reiterate, is that when I saw that I could go to any client, mobile, web, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who developed it. I plug in my public key. I automatically see the follows and the, my follows are actually much more important to me now than the followers. Uh, and right now, a lot of them are all the same because we're we're all in this boiling cauldron right now and we're trying to figure out what we are not just as individuals but as a group what the protocol is the future of it how it interacts with everything else we're still cooking and we're going to be cooking for a while i i imagine but it was still a bitcoin moment and it was my second one my first one was when i made my first transaction not buying it but actually buying something with it and that was when i was like oh shit I didn't see that coming. People had told me you could slap me in the face three or four times. I got 89 different touch points and you just don't get it until you buy something for 50 bucks that five years later, now it's more like you spent 5,000 on it. And that's by itself a completely different experience. But, sure. yeah. but the experience on Noster is exactly what you say. It's it's completely different. I think I posted a note the other day or this morning that said I was I am much more calm on Noster than I ever was on Twitter. And I was like, I, I feel like I'm missing I feel like I'm missing a chance here to just be as toxic as I can because nobody can boot me off. And I have literally I I I just don't care. I I there's no necessity for me to do that. You know, it's like, and, I, I, and not only is there no necessity, there's no incentive. Yeah. On Twitter, there's an incentive to make the post as inciting as possible. <laughs> right. As strongly worded as possible because it drives more engagement and it's our psyche, right? Every time someone clicks like you get the little dopamine hit in your head because we are social creatures. And if someone likes what we're saying, our uh, evolution, our psychology has taught us to be happy about that because that on some level ensures survival. If the group, the tribe is okay with us and they like us, they're more likely to protect us. Now, of course, that doesn't apply on Twitter, but our psychology internally, right? It, our lizard brain doesn't know that. So when it sees that like on a post, or on a tweet, dopamine hit. And yeah. so we have that feedback loop that pushes us to write our content or approach the platform in a way that gets us the most love, if you will, uh -huh. the most approval from the group. 
but if the algorithm pushes for terrible content because of our psyche, that's what you get. That's what you're driven to write. Whereas on Noster, you actually get people's real response, their real reaction. And you can write a perfectly calm message and get an enormous amount of positive feedback from that with no algorithm in place. And so I've noticed just that the general level of engagement is off the charts on Noster in comparison to Twitter. Like I would write something to Twitter. This was in my pre when I had an anonymous account. I had tens of thousands of followers at one point. I ended up checking the account because I got sick of it. got sick of Twitter. And I ended up coming back. So, well, I'm going to be public with Bitcoin. I have to have an account. So I created one. That's the one I have now, but it only has like 300 followers. But even when I had tens of thousands, uh-huh. the engagement was so driven by how I worded what I was saying and whether or not yeah. I was feeding into the algorithm. Whereas with Noster, the engagement is just phenomenal just because people actually see what I said, because the algorithm isn't pushing stuff in front of you only if it checks all these boxes that are known to drive higher engagement. So it's wonderful. Yeah. That's my almost third Bitcoin moment was looking at, you know, the engagement that I get. Cause it's like, I could put something up on even, even with, I don't know. I think it was once I crossed on my old account, uh, I was like cross 6,500 followers then like instead of one or two likes, it was automatically that there'd be 65, a hundred. I'm like, what? I'm like, what boundary did I just cross? Something clearly I've, I've come over and it was very quickly after that, that I got excommunicated for various reasons, you know, and I'll, I'll admit it. It was my fault, but you know, it's like, I just, I've gotten to the point now where I, I just refuse to legitimize straight up, BS. I just can't do it anymore. I can't, but that's another story on Noster. I'll just say good morning. And it's like all these people saying good morning and, and, you know, whether they like it or, you know, reboost or boost it or whatever, I don't, that's not actually not the part that I care about. It's like other people saying good morning. And I've noticed that there's a, there's a, a morning, you know, cause I'm Pacific time. And somehow or another, when I wake up, it seems like a lot of people are also Pacific time and there's a lot of stuff on Noster. And then by about 11 o'clock PM, my time, it just starts to go away. So I, I can feel it's like watching the tide come in. It's like a natural force. And it's like, it's wonderful to see now three o'clock in the morning. I'm not so sure if it would be, you know, I I would want more activity and I'm sure that that's all going to come, but I can almost see this thing uh, evolving like geologic type timescales, except very, very much compressed. I can see what, you know, the, the reactions I can see people, I could like, even though it's easier to talk to somebody face to face to get the full expression of what they feel. I just feel that people are a hell of a lot happier in general on this platform, I, I think it's just, I think it's, it's almost like medicine right now. And I hope it, I hope it stays that way. Do you think it will? Oh boy. I think it will because I do not think that Noster is going to be a better Twitter. 
I don't think that's, that's not what it's going to be. Yeah. It's never going to get that big as a single entity. It's Uh going to break off, segregate out into topics, geographic locations, uses, use cases. It's, it's going to break off and the communities are going to stay smaller. You have to think the entire Nostra community right now, here, let me look what it is right now. This excludes uh, the obvious spammers that, don't have a profile or anything like that. There's only a couple of hundred thousand users that have a profile. And even those, like if he's created five with a profile that you're not really five people. So how many active engagement individuals, if you look at the numbers, which I also keep some data charts on that stuff, there's only, it's up now, well, the charts have to load. But last time I looked at it, it, it was only a few thousand people a day. Maybe it's like 10,000 people a day now. Maybe it's even 20,000 people, like actual different pub keys interacting uh-huh. in the entire ecosystem right now. So we're not talking about millions of people here right. every day. Like Twitter has so many millions of daily active users. That's not what we're doing here. It's still small enough that we can play the Twitter game where everyone is connected to all the same relays talking to everyone. But that's not going to last. It's going right. to start to break apart and people are going to separate off into their areas of interest. And most of NOSA right now is Bitcoiners, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's fine. And it will, we will keep that community, I'm sure. But there will be other communities that have nothing to do with that community that are not connected to it at all. Right. That will open up all over the place. So I don't think we're going to lose it that feeling, that camaraderie, just because it's never going to scale to a Twitter. And it, uh, it can't. That's another issue. The protocol won't scale yeah. like that. It's just, it's not designed to be that thing. It's designed to be decentralized, not centralized. In order to be centralized at that scale, like the things, the steps you have to take, you can't have this cool little six point packet that is everything and right. scale to hundreds of millions of users. You can't do it. But that that leads us into the obvious question of layer two. Does layer two, is that a thing that can happen with Nostr and layer three? Like lightning is layer two for Bitcoin. Is it oh, very analogous? Yeah, I think it okay. is. I, people are going to build all kinds of things on top of Nostr right now. And Jack Dorsey said it well, uh, and I'm not going to quote him perfectly, but he basically said right now people on Nostr are developing replicas of other things because we don't want to be on Twitter anymore. Like maybe someone develops a sub stack, which he would love to see or something like that on Nostr. Yeah. That would be great, but we're just duplicating other things. But soon, and uh-huh. Lightning I think is one of the key points there, it's going to start to be something that nothing else can be. Yeah. Because of its simple protocol, because of its decentralization, we're going to start seeing all kinds of cool things on there. And Lightning is a wonderful, uh, a wonderful part of that, I think, because it's completely permissionless. There's no bank that can tell you who you can send to, how much you can send, like none of that. There's nothing that can stop you from making that transaction at whatever time, whenever you want, instantaneously at almost zero cost. Now imagine once there are 100 million people with pub keys. And they're on their own different networks or whatever. That's fine. 
And like, let's say someone opened up, and I was thinking about this, a Craigslist on Noster, mm-hmm. a decentralized, you know, buy my stuff, garage sale type Noster. Right. But you only pay with Lightning. Yes. Now, all kinds of things are possible that weren't possible before. It's just so much easier. And then you've got like Lightning and it's because it's so fast and cheap. You can stream payments to people yeah. as you watch videos or listen to an app like Fountain does and all that. Right. These are things that you can't do with money right now. Yeah. There's no application that you can send a tiny fraction of a penny to a podcast for every couple of seconds that you listen to it or every minute you listen to it or whatever, because you feel like it's worth it to not have any ads. You can't do that. Well, Lightning makes that possible. And you couple that with the decentralized communication of Noster, you have a very powerful set of tools working together. And there's just no telling what people are going to create from it. Yeah, um, that was actually, I was going to get to, I've got that actually at the very bottom of my list, but it's more applicable here than everywhere, anywhere else. So yesterday I did an experiment and asked for help on Nostra for this. And I was on my, my Domus client. So I took a picture and, uh, actually, no, I wasn't on Domus. I took a picture with my phone of a knitted hat that my wife hand knitted. And then I went to, I can't remember what I was using. I'm still trying out different clients. So I think I was on snort or something like that last night, trying to see what their interface would look like when I did the following type in a, like I typed in, Basically, I need help doing the following, and you'll find that in the note that's attached below. And then we'll get into it. But uh, the note below was like, buy my hat. And then I put in the, you know, mgur.png of the the actual hat. And then below, right there was like, I want 100 sats for it. And then below that was the actual uh, lightning invoice that I structured out of Thunderhub which is on my node. So it's my own node, created my own invoice, put it in there. And one of the instructions that I asked was for somebody to give me a hundred sats. I'm not going to give you the hat. This is an experiment. Give me a hundred sats, but in the comment line, I need your address. I need a place to send the damn hat to. There's some people saw the comment line available to comment. Some people didn't see a comment line at all off the same invoice. Some people said that they tried to comment, but weren't able to have enough characters to give a functional United States post office address. So all of a sudden, a whole ton of problems, just well, how do you want to call them problems? A whole ton of discovery just fell in my lap right there because what I want is this. I want to note a single event that shows you what the object is, how much I want for it, an invoice to buy it. But that invoice, because I don't want somebody putting their address in public. I want that address only to be between me and you. And that's why I wanted it in the lightning invoice. And that's where the discovery of issues came in. I think that this could be done. And this comes into the question that I had at the very last was, as Bitcoin, Lightning Network, and uh, Noster become, if they can, but become more intertwined, 
I know that the answer is yes. Can we do this? But what would be a, what would be one way that you would set about doing that if you were interested in? Because maybe it doesn't need to be a Craigslist. Maybe it's just like you know. Of course, it could be a a, a relay that could be the Craigslist. You know, secure WebSocket Craigslist like dot Noster whatever, right? But I. It just seems to me that that note is so compact that it has everything I need to send for somebody to do business with me in a way that I want them to do business with me in. So does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And in regards to uh, the address, you could always compress the address, like zip, like a zip file. You Uh can compress it and store it compressed and the client could uncompress it. So you could have plenty of space for your address. Like there are technical solutions to this problem, but it requires the client writing the address to know, well, this is a tiny field. So I need to compress the content and your client knowing to open that back up and decompress it. So it's the full address, but those kinds of issues pop up because of things like Noster and the developers like, oh yeah, well, we never thought anyone would use it like that. So let's fix this so that they can, if they want to. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and also that, okay, well, at that point, the somehow or another be able to decrypt, like, I don't know, somebody sends me their address in the open over Noster, but it's encrypted and somehow only my private key can decrypt that. Which yeah, that's know. that's how the DMs work, right? The DMs okay. work that way. They encrypt the message with their private key to your public key, and only your key can decrypt the encrypted message. Only you, only you can see it. Like it doesn't work if anyone else tries to reverse that. So that's how the DMs work as it is. So there's nothing that stops a client from adding it. Like I said, there are six required points of information, but you can add as many as you want. And you could add another property on there that is a decrypted or an encrypted address that's for your eyes only. Right. Uh, that's entirely possible for whatever use case that each individual wants. If there was a Craigslist relay, well, it could just be understood that if you want to be able to sell stuff through this relay, you have to have this encrypted address line so nobody else knows where this is going to. Okay. Now I want to, I, I do need to skate back to, to Nostagram.co because one of the things that I fell in love with it almost immediately is because it reminded me of TweetDeck. Uh, and a long time ago, I used to think, be, and this is before Noster, this is, this is really before I started coming around to the fact that a lot of the stuff that I thought was going on is it really going on, especially when it came to, well, the internet and social media and whatnot. This is actually before I even realized just how toxic mainstream social media really was. So here I am, I'm thinking I'm using TweetDeck. I've got several columns and you have that option in Nostagram to be able to look at, you know, what it is I said, what it is somebody I'm following said, and they're all in these little containers. When I saw Nostagram.co, I saw the beginnings of that. You've actually taken it one step forward. You have multiple inter. You've included multiple interfaces. Can you take us through the interfaces and say what they are and how you went about kind of doing that? Yeah, I actually have to thank this one guy, and I wish I could remember his 
Nostra handle. I, I don't. He was like, yeah, I love the features of Nostagram, but I do not like the multi-column <clears throat> uh, layout. He's like, it's too busy. I don't like that. I like single column. Can you add a single column? And I thought, well, that kind of defeats the whole part. But then it hit me. I'm like, you know, it's not difficult. I mean, and like you said, every node is just a container. Yeah. And that container is, I'm just choosing to spread them across into columns, but I don't have to. Right. So I added a couple of buttons, like the default, which is the multi-column. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I add one, well, let's make a Twitter-like experience too. So I added one that's like Twitter, where it's just a single column. Right. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to do that, let me add one that's like Instagram, which uh -huh. cuts all the text out and just shows the image. And you can click on, on the note if you want to open it up into the thread and see all the text and everything. And that's single column because that's how Instagram does it. And let me make one that's like Pinterest where it's only the media, video, uh -huh. images, whatever. No text. And if you click on only it's multi-column like Pinterest is. So I have to thank that guy who didn't like Nostagram because of the, the layout <laughs> for giving me the idea to make it possible with just one click to change the view. Like for instance, if I'm browsing global, I love the multi-column view. Right. That is so much better. But if I'm just looking at my feed, I yeah. only want a single column because it's easier for me to absorb if I'm just looking at one person's stuff right. or one profile's page. It's easier to absorb just in one column. So for that, I use single column. Notifications, multiple columns, of course, because you know I don't want to. I don't care about every single like and reaction or whatever. But for uh, Following, I'm a multi-column because I like to see all the things people are saying and see what catches my eye because I can't read everything anyway. Who's got that kind of time? Yeah, 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 exactly. So the multi-column is my favorite view. I, I, I've used them all, but did you find, I mean, when you were like, you know what, I'm just going to make it single column. From a developer standpoint, like if somebody came up to you and said, doesn't know anything about coding, especially in, you know, web clients, anything like that. And says, you know what, I, I need you to take your multi-column view and with the single click of a button, I need it to go into single view. How much heartache is that? Or were you able to go through that and say, this is not all that difficult, dude? It was more difficult not because I was going from multi-column to single column, but because the way I was handling multi-column, I had used at first, I used a library, like someone else wrote a way to make a Pinterest type wall of oh. anything. Okay. And so I just used theirs and plugged it in. Okay. But I don't know how exactly they handled everything. And so to as a developer to go in and modify somebody else's code, that's a pain in the ass because you don't know how everything works. Right. So you have to go figure all that out first. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Plus there was a problem because another great guy, Stu was like, well, you know, it would be way better if the way the notes popped in to the multi-column was different. And he explained, I'm like, yeah, that is way better. And so I had to go in and rewrite it anyway. So I just went in and changed the way the columns worked so that it'd be very easy for me to pop a note into each con. That's what it does. It round robins. 
Note goes in the first column, second column, third column, so on. There's right. a little difference to that, but that's it. And then all I had to do was say, okay, well, instead of four columns, just one. Uh-huh. And if there's only one, well, it's always going to go in that one column because there is no other column for it to pop into. So it just goes in that one column. So that's really it. It's, it, it greatly simplified the whole system and actually made the client more lightweight because I'm not using an external library. I have just a couple of some very simple functions that handle how the columns work. Uh-huh. So that made it even faster. <laughs> so again, it's like everything turned out better because I decided to bite the bullet and took this guy's uh, suggestion to allow for a single column. Yeah, that being able to handle criticism is a skill. I, you know, not only just to handle it, but to apply it, which means if you're gonna apply it, that means you pulled it apart, which you had to take, you had to sit there and stare at the criticism. You know, I mean that, a lot of people won't do that because it's, you know, if it's painful to receive criticism, what? you sure as shit don't want to sit there and look at it forever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, so, so kudos to you for, you know, looking at this guy and saying, you know what, let's, let's see what happens. You know that. And and it hit me like, first of all, he wasn't, he wasn't an ass about it or anything. Yeah. Uh, He was very direct, which I respect that because I'm very direct. So that was fine. But it occurred to me when he said, I'm like, you know, I bet there's a lot of people who would love the features of Nostagram, but just prefer that Twitter-like single column experience. Even if I'm not that guy, there's probably a lot of people like that. And if I want more people to use Nostagram, while it can't be everything for everyone, which is one of the beauties of Nostra to begin with, like you can pick the client you like the most and use that one. That's cool. Yeah. But if I can add some things that are really easy and painless for users to to switch between like multiple column or single column, well, then I really ought to do that. And so that's why I did it because he wasn't wrong. It's not like he was saying, oh, well, this is shit because of this and that. Well, okay, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but just go use something else. (laughs) Yeah, but what he said wasn't wrong. Like, yeah, the features are great, but it would be wonderful if you could do this. And that's how Instagram has become the thing it is. Because yeah. people have been telling me what they like, what they don't like, problems they run into, giving me their wish lists. And I just prioritize the things that seem the most important or that the most people seem to want. Right. And to be respectful of your time, you've cut out two hours for, you know, for this. So I want to I want to make sure that I ask the following question about because I know other people are having this issue and understanding we are very early and that I, I think that we should have some patience, generally speaking, around the horn and not expect everything to be spit and polished right out of the box. But losing your followings, that is that seems to be a general theme. And the way from from a user perspective, somebody who doesn't really know the back end of all this stuff, when I come to it, one of the things that I figured, I didn't figure it out. One of the things that I think is going on is that a, this always happens only when I switch clients. And then I noticed that I can switch clients and not have that happen. And I realized that both these clients have almost essentially the same relays set up. So then I start thinking when I, this happens, the first thing that I do is the new client, I go check. I'm like, what are the relays? 
And this happened, this happened the other night twice, actually twice on, on Nostagram. Somehow or another, it lost its, its private key connection to Albi, which I'm using to manage my private and public key pairs. And I had to reset that. And I also reset at the same time, never screw with two variables, people only do one <laughs> at a time. I also deleted all the cookies. And so when I came back and I plugged and when Albi said, yeah, I, now I get it. Now, when you hit extension, now I'll pop up. Now I'll give you the, you know, all the, the good stuff. And I get in and all my fo followers are still there. All the following people I'm following, they're all gone. I go look at the relay list. All the relay list is gone. Repopulate the relay list because like a good little boy, I got a text file with all the relays I'm talking to in the format that they need to be plugged into with a space in between the whole ball of wax. And I go, I'm going to get them all back. And I plug them all in and none of them came back. And I'm like, what, what am I, how am I not viewing this correctly? And how cannot people and myself guard against this in the future? This is one of the more difficult aspects of decentralized communication, right? Okay. On Twitter, Twitter has everything at all times that is related to your account, period. Right. You can't lose your followers on Twitter or your, who you're following on Twitter unless Twitter purposefully deletes them, which sometimes it does because they're yes. bots or whatever. Like sometimes it does that and that's fine. On Noster, if you connect to a relay that knows you've never connected to before, and you update, you click on follow. I'm going to follow somebody, click. But that relay does not have a record of your past followers because you just connected to it. Okay. The only following it's going to keep is the one you just clicked on. That's it. That's all it's going to have. So if your client reaches out to all the relays that you're connected to, but that one, the new one, responds first. Uh -huh. And it's only got one uh -huh. following. Depending on how the client's written, the client may wait for all of them to come in, which is slower because some of the relays are really slow. They're really busy, whatever. It might wait for all of them to come in uh -huh. and then just, well, okay, does, does this have this follower? Let's get, make sure we have all the followers from everybody all in the stack. But what it's probably going to do is say, oh, somebody responded. That's our following. Okay. And if, if it doesn't have all of them or if it has none because of some glitch or bug or whatever, now you lose all your following. Uh -huh. And if you go and save anything and it posts another record, now it's going to write out to all the other relays that you only, you're only following one person or nobody at all. Okay. And now that's the most recent record on every relay. So the next time it grabs a record, no matter which relay responds first, it's going to have a record that's got nobody in it. Uh -huh. and, and so that's, you're dealing with, it's called, uh, it's, it's asynchronous, right? Whoever responds first, like we're going to grab that information and deal with the first responder because it's faster. If every time you connected to your relays to get information, the client waited for every single relay to respond, well, what happens if one of them's offline? It's never going to reply right. and you're just going to sit with the little hourglass or the waiting thing and it's never going to do anything while it waits. So it's some, it has to determine 
who am I going to listen to first? And unfortunately, when that sort of thing happens, or if the client has a bug where it doesn't create the following list correctly, and then it broadcasts that out to everybody in your client list, uh-huh. now all your followers disappear because the client looks for the most recent record because that makes sense, right? You only want the most recent record of the people you're following. If you unfollow somebody, you don't want that to come back right. later. So it always looks for the most recent record. And because it's a problem and some thought needs to go in how to prevent that problem on the client side, because you, the user should not be required to have a text document with all this information in it. And that's one of the things I'm trying to get Nostagram to be is super user friendly, where you can know all that stuff if you want to be the super user, but you don't have to know any of those things and it handles things appropriately uh, for you as you would expect it to. Uh, And that's why I went in and added that tool that allows people to look at the history of all of the following records Nostagram is aware of in its database, the caching server I mentioned. It's like, here you go. Here's the most recent 100 updates to the people you're following. Mm -hmm. If you want to restore any of those lists, click this button and we'll put all those followings back. And so it does that. So it makes it very easy to do it. But that is one of the issues with decentralization. If you put a new relay on or take an old relay off, now the data you have access to is different because what if that piece of information was only available on that one relay? Right. That's why it happens. That and plus buggy clients that have issues too. And like you said, like it's not all spit and polish right now. Devs, most of them are just volunteering their time, doing the best they can. Yeah. It, and with their day job on the side, it's the best that they can do. And they've done amazing things over the past six, seven, eight weeks, given that's what's going on here. Uh, but yeah, you, you're going to have some issues like that. Yeah. And, and I want to make sure that the listener is clear that what I'm talking about is not just going to a client and then somehow or another, my followers are gone and then it just stays gone on that client. This can propagate to your other clients. And that's why people are getting, I, and they honestly, I don't think anybody should be angry. We should be like using these experiences to inform everybody else of what's going on. So I went to my Dama's client after this happened I had to refollow everybody twice. I'm okay with that right now because I know where we are in the journey, or at least I know where I'm at in this journey. And it's easier for me to understand things like these guys are doing it in their off time. Yeah. God forbid William got fired from his job because he was developing Domus and his bosses found out about it. And I don't know why they got their panties in a snit. It's like, they got to fire him for mowing his own lawn too. I mean, that's in his off time. So this is all oh, I can tell you from experience that, especially if he worked for a big corporation, yeah, that they want every single stitch of code you write while you work for them to belong to them. Yeah, And so if you do anything else at all, especially uh-huh. anything that might down the road have some commercial viability, yeah, they, they're not going to put up with that. One of the reasons that I quit working <laughs> for corporates. Oh Lord, the evil is real. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah, I, yeah. Evil. I use that word loosely. It's just incentive, right? The corporation has an incentive to protect themselves and their profit, and you working on something else that might blow up is not not aligned with their incentives. Just like a a, a chemist 
developing stuff off on the side while working for a chemical company. They want to patent whatever you create and they're going to lose money if you create something on the side. So, yeah. So, but I mean, these guys, what I just want to make sure that, you know, listeners understand that at great personal expense, this shit comes down. This isn't something where it's like, you know, I don't Fiat Joff or, or yourself or William just like one day wakes up and has a dream and codes it up. And 15 minutes later, it's all done and everything works fine and there's no problems and they're going about their own business. That's not the way this works. And some of the things that I've seen said is like Nostra will never work because X issue. Like, do you have the patience of a two-year-old? I, I don't, I don't get it. I, in a way I get it, but that that's driven by where we are in the macroeconomic global Western cultural bullshit that I think we've been, we've been fed with lies for so long. Hell, we don't know what the truth is. We don't even know what patience really means. We got zero idea of what wealth actually is. We've been, even our food is polluted and we believe that Cheetos is a okay. Cause they're using canola oil or whatever. Right. I mean, right. whatever. So, yeah. So here's, before- here's the thing, uh, the issue. And I had this issue when I started developing Nostagram because at some point it's going, there's going to be a commercial aspect to it. And yeah. I posted about this a while back, like yeah, so not I'm- expensive at all, like 20 bucks a year, three bucks a month, something cheap like that. If I shoot, if I can get enough users, that'd be wonderful to do nothing but work on Instagram all the time. That'd be great. If you want to live in a world where you have freedom, where you're not being censored, where you get to choose, you have choice, these things aren't being taken away from you, then you need to, to own what Bitcoin Bitcoiners call self-sovereignty. You have to be willing to take on the responsibilities that come with being a free person, being a free agent, having autonomy, having choice. If you want a problem fixed, maybe you should support the developer who's creating this tool that you want to see better. Maybe you should help them out by paying for their product or somehow supporting them in some kind of way, value for value. If you sit on your duff and bitch because something doesn't work the way you want it to, but you do nothing else, well, deal with it. You know, yeah. that's your that's your problem. Suck that shit up because no, that is not how a world of responsible adult individuals who are not having everything force fed to them from the top down. That's not how it works. Right. And I, I honestly think that we've been programmed to only give our money to corporations because they're the ones that have the brand. You know, we it's almost like it's not that people don't want to support you or even me for this podcast. It's that they're used to giving Apple their money because it's Apple. They're used to I, maybe there's a, an unspoken programmed level of trust which I want to plug right back in, into cult. And what I believe is that Jehovah's Witnesses as a cult, anything as a cult, it's all these, it's always like these smaller groups of people. Like Western civilization has become a cult. I, I honestly believe that we're not acting in our own best interest any longer because 
the iron, what's called the iron, it's the iron law of bureaucracy. Have you ever heard that term? I have not. As any institution, country, college, administration, anything that is a corpus, a body of stuff that walks around and does certain things. At the beginning, there are the people that they started the foundation or institution or whatever to do some X. And they're the guys out in the field doing the X. That's why they wanted the foundation in the first damn place, because we we're we're building the water wells in, in Africa. We're 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 starting the banks so that people have it can get, I don't know, interest on their savings, whatever it is. It, it could be the Red Cross. The people that started it are the people that are out in the field. As it becomes successful, as it grows, the bureaucracy side that takes care of all the back end stuff becomes the forefront. And the mission becomes the back seat, is sitting in the back seat. So now the only thing that matters for the Red Cross is the existence of the Red Cross. Not what the Red Cross does, because only one penny, from what I understand, I'll give them this. I'll give them 10%. 10% of all the money they collect actually goes to do the thing that they were meant to do. It's actually less than that, but I won't get into it. The, The Catholic Church, any church, it gets the same way. They're interested in their own survival, not the mission. The royal family in Britain, it was it became much less about serving the people of Britain than it became, how do we look? And that's the iron law of bureaucracy. And it will happen. It's happened before. It'll happen again. You know, there's no way that we can guard against it as long as I think it's more important to just be aware of it. And that what what will happen when it comes here to us and Nostra and Bitcoin and and we've already seen it with GBTC and all these kinds of things and I've never know. heard it called that but I've been aware of that for a long time because I said when I left the cult it occurred to me that organized religion starts off from a core set of good ideas right. good principles solid stuff love your neighbor, care for the sick, don't hate other people because they're not from your country. Like these are good things. Uh, but when you develop an organization, yeah. now like you say, it becomes less about the principle, less about the core, more about just perpetuating the organization. And that all goes back. I use the term cult, but it all goes back to our biology because we are tribal biologically. Right. The preservation of the group above all is what matters because in the back lizard brain of our mind, the oldest part, the group means security. Security means survival. So the group must perpetuate. So we perpetuate. Right. That and that dynamic comes into any group, which is why I'm hopeful for Noster, because in my opinion, The problem with civilization today, the problem with democracy today, the problem with markets today isn't that the principles are wrong. It's that once you get to a certain scale, they fail Uh because of that tribal nature, they fail. Whereas Noster, I believe, will never scale to that size, or I sure hope it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But it will 
naturally, because of the nature of the protocol, fragment into smaller citadels, if you will, right. of communication that they can deal with each other, they can trade with each other, they can talk to each other, but mostly they're just these little hubs of communication for whatever purpose, whether it's social, whether it's financial or whatever, it doesn't matter whether it's medical, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the thing is. Uh-huh. That information is, is maintaining and staying in a localized environment. I think government would be way better if it was almost like 98% local. Uh-huh. And, you know, localities just traded with other localities when necessity required to do so. Right. Because you lose that breakdown that always happens at scale. And so I'm hopeful that NOSER starts that and helps people to realize that. And you talked, you said before we actually started recording, what's the grandest thing in the world you would hope that NOSER would achieve? Yeah. I would love to see communication like Noster develop little local hubs that help people realize that local is the only thing that really matters in your life. What that guy or that woman or that group a thousand miles away does or says has absolutely no bearing on your life at all as a rule, right? Unless they march to your door, you can safely ignore everything they do and say, and don't base any of your actions on what they say. People are so driven today because of their devices, by all the information pouring in from all these localities, from all these people that have no actual physical impact in their daily life. And they're wrecking your life Uh because you are allowing them to have sovereignty over your mind by influencing the actions that you take. If people start to realize that local is all that matters, it's not that those other things don't exist. It's not that we can't learn from them. Of course we can, but they no longer take precedence over what's actually happening in our space to the people around us in our community. That's where we put 98% of our effort. We do that. We solve most of the problems in the world, in my opinion. Okay. Before we wrap this up, um, I want to I want to just touch on what you just said about Noster not being able to scale and that you hope it doesn't scale. And I want I, I'm pretty sure that I know what the I, I I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about, but I want to make sure that everybody understands here that when we say Noster or even Bitcoin for that matter can't scale on chain because it can't. That's why we need Lightning. That doesn't mean that Bitcoin won't be used by or couldn't be used by everybody. It's just going to happen on different layers. And the same thing I think will happen on Nostra, like what you're saying, is that as I'm taking part of the Bitcoin discussion, 99.98% of everything said in my group that's localized is about Bitcoin. However, there may be one time when I really need to send a message to somebody that's talking about, I don't know, beef. And, and they're talking about beef 99.98% of the time. And every once in a while, one of those guys needs to hear what I say about beef because it's part of it's maybe part of theirs. There's connections that can be made at the Noster protocol level, but most of this shit can be handled on a level above, like lightning kit takes care of 
these little tiny payments on the layer above. But if I really need to buy a house, I can still use Bitcoin. And I, and I think see, people get the wrong idea when they say something can't scale. It's almost automatically equated to, well, then 8 billion people can't use it. And I'm saying, no, that's not what was meant. Is, am I reaching outside of the box on that one or what? No, no, that's that's mostly what I'm trying to say. When I say I hope Noster doesn't scale, what right. I mean is I hope it doesn't try to become one right. network yes. that owns all of the data because then we're right back to centralization. Exactly. We're right back to the problem that we had before. I would rather see small community-driven networks that interact with each other when necessary, but mostly are just about the thing that they're about. Yeah, the protocols there, like like I said early on, the relay could share information with other relays. Of course, it's possible, but ninety nine and a half percent of the time, it's unnecessary, so you don't do it. You just stick to the local, and that keeps performance high. That keeps all the junk out of the system. People actually pay for what they want. Like if you want to watch Netflix, you got to pay your subscription, right? If you want to access to the, you know, the. Uh, Bitcoin community, Noster, whatever, maybe you pay a dollar or two or three or whatever a month so you can have access rather than seeing ads that cause all the problems we already talked about. That's how it should be. So yeah, it scales in the sense that we could have a mass number of small networks that can talk to each other when necessary. I just don't want to see one giant Twitter Noster. And I'm That's what, what I don't want to see. And I'm 100% in agreement. And with that said, let people know where they can get a hold of you, how they can interact with you, work you've done. Uh, well, mostly if you go to nostagram.co, that's my big Noster project. So there's that. Don't go to Twitter. I'd never go there anymore. Just, <laughs> Nobody does. I gave up. I closed the window last week and I only opened it uh, once today because I'm trying to incorporate Twitter embed tweets and I had to go look at something. So I'm never over there. Uh, and on Noster itself, if you go to Nostagram and you search for my name, you d click the search icon, search for J-L-E-G-E-R 2023, I'll pop up as a user and you can communicate with me there. So yeah, that's that's the primary way to get a hold of me right now. Okay, well, that'll work. Well, I appreciate you uh, spending as much time as you have. I didn't have any idea that this was going to go on to you know, an hour and 46, this is totally awesome. And I can't wait for uh, the listeners to hear it. So we'll just go ahead and sign off and I'll tell you bye-bye. And I can't wait to talk to you again. It sounds good, David. Appreciate it. So I hope that you get a little bit more of the sense of how Noster or Noster, however you want to pronounce it, works. You know, what it's doing behind the scenes, because as I was talking to Jonathan, you know, it's always I've always had problems with some of the interviews that I've heard with people on the technical side of what this actually is. Hell, I couldn't even wrap my mind around what Noster was until I found, finally found a client that was serviceable. And at the, you know, the first client that I picked up was, I don't know, I think I was playing with Enigma or something like that. I can't remember, but you know, it was, ah, it was serviceable. So I could at least play with what was going on. And the more clients that I went through, the more it became evident what I was dealing with. But before that, right, 
before I actually got my hands on a client, and if some of you guys are, are still there where you're saying, I, I don't know what Noster is, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I was there. I had heard about Noster for at least a year, a minimum of a year. And I was like, well, I can't really use it because I, I don't know how to gain access to the protocol. And that client is your access to the protocol. So there's there's a few. There's astral.ninja. These are web clients, okay? You can use them like on desktop computer, Apple, you know, DO, oh, DOS. Oh my God, I just dated myself again. You know, Windows, what, whatever, okay, whatever. Chromebook, you just, it's just a, it's just a web, you know, web-based client. So astral.ninja, of course, nostrogram.co, which I highly recommend. It's, it runs really smooth, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have John on because he's like literally created my favorite client so far. Um, there's, oh God, what else have we got? We've got, I've got a whole list over here. Uh, you can go to yosup.app. Uh, you've got snort.noster. Uh, and I like snort. I've been using it for a while. You can also, you know, you put iris, I-R-I-S into your search engine and Noster behind it, and you'll find that web client. As far as iOS, all we really got that's stable that was released on the App Store is Domus, which I love, and I'm not an Android user, so I've never used Amethyst, but I've heard good things about it, so if you're an Android user, get Amethyst. Just spelled just like the gemstone, Amethyst, right? Go and figure this one out. I can't figure it out for you. I I can't figure this out for you any more than I can. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could dig a hole for you, but I would expect payment. So if you want to dig a hole and I ain't going to do it for you, you got to do it yourself. I can't watch a movie for you. I could drive you, I could drive your car around for you, but if you're not in the car, then what? I'm just driving your car. You got to do it for yourself. Twitter's going down in flames, and so is Facebook. So is Instagram. People are leaving in droves. Hoddle and not, from what I understand, nuked his Twitter account from Orbit. I think there was 100,000 followers on that account. Will, the guy behind Domus, uh, I think it's... Uh, Kasarin is how you pronounce his last name. It's at JB55 on Noster. You can find him there. He nuked his account from what I understand. there I saw a whole bunch of chatter today, like uh, account does, you know, screenshots of account doesn't exist for JB55, you know, over on Twitter. Hodel Anot stated that he nuked his account. I'm I'm completely uninterested in going over to Twitter to find this out. But if you come over to Noster, it's a different feel as we talked about in the interview with Jonathan. If you're not going to do it, you're doing yourself a disfavor. It's much better. It's a much better environment. And more and more and more people are flooding into this thing. And it's not going to stop. Claim your namespace. And what I mean by that is get your name out there. Get an account on Noster. It's not an account though. Get, go get your pub keys. You, you can get them ginned up off of, um, 
off nostagram.com. If you don't have pub keys and you go there for the very first time, it's going to say, hey, do you want a new set of keys? Yes, say, okay, I want keys. And it will give you a public key and a private key pair. Make sure you keep your private key like you keep your Bitcoin private keys, right? Treat them with respect. Make sure you got backups, do all the things, right? And then, you know, just, it doesn't matter about your public key. You can actually just give your public key to other people. That's fine. That's how they find you. Spin it up. Migrate your name over. Put a wallet of Satoshi address into the, uh, where you can have, uh, where people can zap you and give you lightning payments. Do all the things. Get a banner. Pull your banner over and put it in. Get your PFP. Pull it over. Put it in so people can see your profile pic. I highly recommend using the one that you used from Twitter so that people can visually recognize that. We are visual beings. If you come over to Noster and you just say, well, you know what? I'm going to change everything all at once. Nobody's going to recognize you. We re Humans will recognize your visual branding well before they recognize your handle that you were using on Twitter. That I promise you. I guarantee you. So... If you had, if anything piqued your interest with uh, today's interview with Jonathan Leger, please, please, please go grab yourself some keys, get on Noster, and figure out what all the fuss is about, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.